Merrimack Bakehouse has started a newsletter. To subscribe, just go to merrimackpodcast.com and enter your email address. You will receive one newsletter a week about news from Standing Chimney, Merrimack Bakehouse, and every other week, an exclusive recipe from this podcast. That's merrimackpodcast.com. Hello and welcome to In the Kitchen with Mary Mac. Well, we're going to change things up a little because we've basically been doing vegetables for weeks. We're going to throw a sweet in here, and I've got a couple of nice little cookie recipes for you. These two cookies are two of my several go-to cookies for holidays, for taking to something that I'm invited to bring nice cookies to, and for weddings. These are nice cookies for taking to a wedding um, or holiday because they're small. Both of these cookies are typically about an inch and a half in diameter. You can make them bigger if you want to, but that's the typical size for them. They're just a nice small cookie. You don't get a ton out of a batch. So if you're taking them somewhere and they want several dozen cookies, you have to make a bunch of batches. But each of these cookies probably makes, each of these recipes rather, probably makes about three dozen cookies. So the first recipe I'm going to give you is for hazelnut shortbread. And then the next recipe I am going to give you is for the cream wafer. Hazelnut shortbread, is a, it's exactly what it says. It's a nice little cookie. It is not too sweet, and it's very easy to make. And the nice thing about this recipe is you can actually make this up, put it in your freezer, and save it until you need it, and get it out and allow to thaw somewhat, and then slice it and bake it. This is a nice little slice and bake cookie, and it's very simple, but very good. Okay, so here we go. Hazelnut shortbread. You need one cup of butter. No substitutes. No margarine. No light. No nothing. This is real butter. And I highly recommend, by the way, I highly recommend if you're baking cookies that require butter, do not use super inexpensive butter. I will not name the brand names, but I will name the brand name you should use, which is Land Lakes. There are a couple of comparable brands to Land of Lakes, but the cheaper brands, store brands, certain store brands in particular, their butter, I don't know what, I don't know why, but their butter seems to have a higher moisture content, even the unsalted butter. And it just makes, um, if you use the correct measurements for your flour in your recipe, it makes the dough too soft, too runny to whatever. It'll, it just, the, the consistency of the butter is wrong. And this I've found out over about the last year or so, it's not gotten better. So I would recommend that if you want to make really, if you're making cookies that are going to be for something special and you want them to come out really good, use Lando Lakes butter. I am not being paid for that buzz marketing. <laughs> now, should you use salted or unsalted butter? I always use salted. A lot of recipes call for unsalted, and you can use unsalted, but I usually use salted butter. Um, it just depends on you. It's basically one has salt and one doesn't. I know a lot of people cite differences in the product, but to me, I don't feel it's that noticeable. If you are concerned about the salt content of something, I would definitely use unsalted. There's not that huge of a difference in it. Okay, so you need one cup of softened butter, a half a cup of white sugar, two tablespoons of maple syrup, 
two teaspoons of vanilla extract, two cups of all-purpose flour, not sifted but lightened, and I talked about that in a previous podcast, where you take your flour and stir it with a big spoon and kind of lift it up and fluff it up a little bit. So two cups of all-purpose flour, and then you need one cup of very finely chopped hazelnuts with your little nut chopper thing or your food processor. You can buy them in the grocery store in a small packet that are very finely chopped. They're kind of hard to find, though. They, they tend to make them a little bit bigger, but you need these to be pretty fine. For the drizzle on top, you need a half a cup of semi-sweet chocolate chips and one and a half teaspoons of shortening, only shortening, not butter or margarine or oil. You have to use shortening in the drizzle. So that is your ingredients. So now in a mixing bowl, you're going to cream the butter and sugar, add the syrup and vanilla, and then add the flour until just combined. Fold in the nuts, and then you're going to take this and divide it into two balls equal sized. You take one ball and you're going to make it into two one and a half inch diameter logs, okay? So what I do is I uh, take a piece of wax paper and put it on your table or counter and take one of your balls and kind of form it with your hands into a log shape. Try to get it about an inch and a half in diameter, which, you know, if you need to use a roller, use a roller. If you can eyeball, eyeballing is fine. It would be about as big around as a quarter, slightly larger than a quarter. Take the ball and kind of form it into a log with your hands on your wax paper and then bring your wax paper up around it. And then what I do is I squeeze that onto it and then kind of roll it on my surface to round it up and then fold the ends of your wax paper over. And I usually will take my two little logs that I make and I will slide them into a Ziploc bag and squeeze the air out and seal it. And then you're going to set those in your refrigerator for two hours until they're nicely chilled. Now, if you weren't going to make your cookies today, let's say you want to prep some dough because you're going to be making cookies for next week. This particular recipe, you can take those two little logs right now and throw them in your freezer in the plastic bag. And then I have done this a few times. If I know I'm going to be making, like, say I was going to be making cookie trays or something, I would do this. And then as I make my cookies, I get down to these. I bring them out. I let the chill come off of them and then uh, slice them and bake them. If we're just putting them in the refrigerator, once they're nicely chilled, we're going to cut them into one-fourth inch slices and place them two inches apart on ungreased baking sheets. You can put parchment paper on them, but you do not need to. And then you're going to bake these at 325 degrees for 14 to 16 minutes or until the edges just barely begin to turn brown. So very lightly browned. You don't want to let them overbake. When they're done, you're going to remove them to wire racks to cool. And once they're cool, you're going to put the drizzle on them. So you're going to take your chocolate chips and melt them. You can put them in a glass or, I, use, I like glass, but if you don't have glass, you can put them in a metal bowl over uh, warm water on the stove. Put a pan of water with about an inch and a half of water in it on your stovetop and just get it to where it's just starting to heat, not simmering or bubbling, but just starting to heat and put your bowl over top, put your chocolate chips in it and get them to melt, and then add your one and a half teaspoons of shortening. And just make sure you use only shortening. What the shortening does is it gives a little bit of a sheen to the chocolate when you drizzle it, but it also helps the consistency so it drizzles nicely. 
the way I do the drizzling is I take an icing bag with the finest tip on it that you would use like to write your name or something. If you don't have that, you can use a regular old Ziploc sandwich bag, put your melted chocolate into it, and make a tiny, tiny hole in the corner of the bag and just lightly squeeze that and drizzle your cookies back and forth. Do that on your wire racks because that way you can just let them sit there and harden up and then they're done. I would recommend as someone who is very clumsy and not the neatest baker, if you have not drizzled before and you are using the baggy method, don't test it out over a cookie. Maybe test it out over some wax paper to make sure it doesn't explode everywhere because while they would still be delicious, they wouldn't necessarily be the prettiest if the chocolate just exploded all over them. Well, you just do one and then eat it if it messes up. It all works out. But that's it. And it makes, this recipe probably makes, I don't know, I I usually get about three to four dozen out of it. You might get more, depending upon if you roll your log size to the correct size. (laughs) If you roll them bigger, you get less cookies. This is a very nice little cookie. There's not a lot of sugar in it. It's like a true shortbread cookie. And it has that melt-in-your-mouth texture to it when you eat them. They're very, very good cookie. And it's also a little bit different. Personally, I have never had this cookie other than myself making it. I've never uh, seen it, and I've never had it other than me making it. So it's a special one you can take. People will really enjoy it. So that's number one, hazelnut shortbread. Number two is a cream wafer. And this recipe comes from West Germany back when it was East and West Germany. Isn't that funny? This recipe book was so old, the recipe is categorized as West Germany. And this came from uh, someone who was employed in West Germany and submitted it to a recipe book. It's legit. (laughs) And these are the best cookies in the world. I wasn't sure. I'd never heard them called cream wafers because I've only ever seen them at weddings. So usually you just call them the little wedding cookies. Yes. But they are, it like, I could inhale an entire batch of them. They're so good. Yes, and this is another, these are the real thing. You have to use the real thing in this cookie. You cannot, I have had these cookies that people did not use the real thing, and I will go into this after I do the recipes, my slight rant, but <laughs> you, you really need to use the real thing. Don't Don't cut corners on this cookie. It is, it uses real cream, it uses real butter. And it is real delicious if you make it that way. I usually, when I make cream wafers, I have a set of mini cookie cutters that are different shapes. So I have used a variety of different shapes. I think I got them. I actually think I got them from Pampered Chef maybe. But there's small cookie cutters. There's a a heart, a star, a flower, a little round circle. Usually when I've seen these, they're flower shaped. Usually. I usually make either round, flower-shaped, or heart-shaped, and I've done all of them. And I make them, I make mine very small, tiny small. They would be smaller than a quarter. I have seen them at weddings. They're usually like nickel-sized when you make them. Yeah, I've seen them at weddings where they're like two inches in diameter, and that's nice, but that's a lot. You know, for this cookie, this cookie's really rich. So for this cookie to be that big... I mean, that's not terrible if you really love them. However, this cookie is really rich. So these are really nice cookies to make with a tiny little cutter because they have so much flavor. Just popping that little tiny cookie in your mouth, you you know. Okay, so you might eat 30 of them, but 
they are so good. I guess that's <laughs> the advantage to making them bigger is you go, well, I only ate 15. Yeah. <laughs> I cut back. I cut since, back this year, guys. the cookies are larger. Okay, so here's the, um, the dough for the wafer. The recipe for, the, this is the ingredients. Oh, I'm, I'm all screwed up now because I'm getting excited about cream wafers. Okay, this is the ingredient list for the wafer part. One cup of butter, a third cup of heavy cream, heavy whipping cream is what you usually see it called. Two cups of flour, again, loosened but not sifted, and one fourth teaspoon of salt. That is your wafer. So here we go on the wafer. You want to make sure your butter is very cold, like right out of the refrigerator. You want to stir the salt into your flour till it's well mixed in. You want it to be really well mixed in, which will also lighten your flour. Okay. Now here's what you're going to do. You want to do this if you if you've ever made a if you've ever made a pie crust with butter, which you probably haven't, but maybe you have. I don't know. Who am I to know? How would I know? You want to take your butter. And you want to cut it up into little pieces. And what I usually do with this is I take my big knife and I split my stick of butter in half. And then when it's both halves laying down, I cut those in half. And then I cut them up into little squares. You Once you do that with your butter, slide that into your bowl. And then you're going to add your flour into that. And you want to cut it in with either a pastry cutter or a fork or however you're most comfortable doing that until it's really, really well cut in. Now, I have a question here because there is a trick that I've used when making scones because you have to use super cold butter and cut it in. Can you take the really cold butter and use a cheese grater yes, and you, grate it in? You could. I've never done that myself, but you could because I have done that. I have done that with scones, but I have not done that with this cookie, but you could do that. You could definitely grate your butter and put it in. Okay, and then what you want to do is get your flour and butter very well combined. You want it to be very, very well mixed. If you have big pieces of butter in this cookie, they literally blow out. You'll see it when you're baking them. You just have a big blowout in your cookie. So make it really well mixed in, and then you're going to add the cream and form it into dough. Once you have that formed into dough, what I do when I'm doing anything with this sort of a dough, either pie crust or anything where you're going to be rolling the dough out, when I form the dough into a ball, I will form it into two or four balls, small balls, and wrap each one in plastic wrap and put them into a container with a lid and put them in the refrigerator to chill. You want to chill this really well so that it rolls out nice. And then another reason you want to do that is when you roll it out, you're going to be rolling it out really thin. That is key with these cookies. You roll the dough out very thin and you cut it, and you want it to stay cool so it doesn't stick to the rolling pin and it rolls out nice. It'll probably also help keep you from overworking it. Yeah. Yep. So when you once you roll it out, you want to roll it out onto a floured board, floured surface, a pastry board, whatever you use, and you want to roll it out till it's very thin, and you cut it into, like this says, one and a half inch circles. So if you don't have a one and a half inch circle cutter, Get one. <laughs> I don't know what to use. I don't know what you would substitute. Uh, if you had a piece of pipe that was an inch and a half internal diameter, you could use that. Well, now, do these shrink in the oven? Because normally they're not an inch and a half big. Or do you use a smaller cookie cutter? Sometimes they do. They do shrink a bit, but actually they more puff up. 
And sometimes they become, uh, I've had my little circles turn into ovals before. For some, I don't even know why that is. They just do that sometimes. So they do kind of change a little bit in the oven. But for your cookie cutters, because you make them tiny, do you use a one and a half inch diameter I don't know circle? what diameter that circle is. I want to say it's maybe one inch. I probably use yeah. one inch. Because I was going to say, that's that that seems... That seems bigger big, than what I yeah. do. But I think I use a one inch, probably. I bet the flower is an inch and a half in diameter. I bet the flower is the little posy that I use. But we'll have a picture up on our Facebook page and um, Instagram so you can see what the cookies look like. You know, you'll get an idea there. You'll, you'll recognize them when you see them because it's the classic cookie that you always see at wedding receptions. Yeah. So this, so what you do is you cut all the little, this is how I do it. I cut all the little cookies out, okay? You want to have a bowl sitting next to where you're working that just has granulated sugar in it. When you cut them, once you get the whole sheet cut out, take all those little things and dip them into the granulated sugar that you have there. Both sides? Both sides. Put them onto your baking sheet. And I would line my baking sheet this cookie, you want to line your baking sheets with parchment paper, dip each cookie into the sugar, put it onto the parchment lined baking sheet, and then you want to prick the top with a fork about four times, kind of like looking like a cracker. And you're going to bake these at 375 for seven to nine minutes. And what I typically do is set my timer for seven minutes and then check eight minutes and check. And you'll notice when they're baking, they'll just start to puff up. And you'll see layers start to form on them. And you don't want them to get very brown. You want them to be very lightly golden on the bottom edge when they're done. So typically what I'll do is just take and pick one up real carefully and check the bottom of it. And then they puff up. They'll puff up a good bit. It's really crazy the way these bake. And then when they're done... You want to take them out and cool them on cooling racks. And what I do, as they cool, I match up the cookies because they they don't stay perfectly round or perfectly flower-shaped or perfectly heart-shaped or whatever. So I take and match up two cookies that are the same bottom to bottom because when you fill them, you want the bottoms to be on the inside, okay? As they cool, I'll match them up bottom to bottom and just start stacking them off in pairs so that they're ready for when I ice when I put the filling in. Now for the icing. You're going to mix one-fourth cup of soft butter with three-fourths cup of sifted powdered sugar, and you do need to sift this because uh, we're going to be piping this onto the cookies with an icing bag that has a star tip on it, and you don't want chunks of powdered sugar clogging everything up. And then you're going to add a teaspoon of vanilla. So fourth cup of soft butter, three-fourths cup of sifted powdered sugar, one teaspoon of vanilla. Once you have added all of your ingredients together, you want to mix this by hand with a wooden spoon and just make sure it's mixed really well. And it doesn't seem like you're going to have enough icing, but you're going to have enough icing because you don't put very much at all on your little cookies. And then what you do is you put your icing. You can tint the icing also if you want to, depending upon what you're going to do. You know, you can add uh, food coloring to it just for if it's for Christmas. You could put green in there, red or whatever. If you have a child that really likes pink, you can put pink in there and then she will come and eat all the cookies. So, you know, those are things you can do. Now, when you fill them, I always use a star tip on an icing bag. 
This is the easiest way to fill them. If you try to use a butter knife and spread the icing, you will crush every cookie because they're very, very delicate. So get a set of decorating icing decorating tools with, with a star tip and use a large, not the great big star tip, but the one, it's about, it's got about a three-eighths inch opening in the end of it. And that's the perfect size. And what you do, for example, for a round cookie, you put one shot of your icing on there. About It'll be about a teaspoon of icing. And then you very lightly put the top on the cookie. So put your shot of icing, put the top on, and it'll still retain that little bit of icing shape from your star tip. And then set it aside. And if you're going to store these... For any amount of time, you want to store them in your refrigerator in a nice airtight container. If certain members of your family who love these cookies find out that you're making them, you might want to store them in a safe that they do not know the combination to. And these make, these, uh, this is funny to say, but they make a lot of cookies, but they don't because you use two little cookies for every cookie, okay? So this recipe probably makes about between four and six dozen cookies. So it makes a lot of little cookies, but by the time they're done. So these are nice. These are just a nice little cookie. And you can tint the icing. For example, if you know the if you know somebody's wedding colors, you can make the icing, you know, to kind of go with their wedding theme. If you have a child who really loves the color pink, you can make the icing pink so that the child will be so happy. You can, you know, do whatever you want to. Okay, now um now for the ramp part. <laughs> Not really much of a rant, but I feel like we should have a separate theme tune for when you go on a, off on an ingredient rant. <laughs> You'll have to find some sort of music for that. <laughs> um, I I want to say again, don't skimp on your ingredients, please. Use use butter when it says to use butter. Use cream when it says to use cream. I know people want to try and cut calories out of things and and that, but you know, this I always used to say to my kids when they were little. You've eaten cookies before. You don't need to eat 10, 10 cookies, okay? You can, you know. But the thing is, you want to make, if you're going to make a cookie for someone to, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like for a wedding or something like that. If you're invited to bring a cookie that people, that you have made that people like, make it as good as you can. Make it with good ingredients and make it as good as you can. I come from a family of full-blooded Italian people who take great pride in their cookies. And when there's a wedding in the family, it is like the world's fair of cookies. There's every cookie you have ever imagined or heard of or seen just displayed beautifully. And when you're, and I always feel like you're in a competition, you know, you're in a competition at an Italian wedding with your cookies because if your cookie's really good, you'll hear that your cookie's really good. And if your cookie is not really good, you will hear for the rest of your life <laughs> that your cookie is not really good. So, um, but but it's, it's really like uh, in our family, having the cookie table and taking your cookie is like giving an offering to the family. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like a special thing. And it's not something that you use the cheapest shortening you can buy and the cheapest butter you can buy and you and know you don't buy cookies to bring to a wedding yeah, reception you don't buy cookies to bring you know or if you're going to a cookie exchange or something you know make a cookie 
if if you even if you're you don't feel like you're a really accomplished baker or you're nervous about doing it, make a cookie that you are able to make and use good ingredients and it'll be good. You know, that's just all there is to it. It's true. If you make a simple recipe with really good ingredients, that is going to taste better than a really complicated recipe using cheap ingredients or substituting margarine for butter. Right. Right. And that's the trick. Really, to be honest, that is the trick of cookery, is doing something that you are able to do well and using good ingredients. And you progress along as you as you become more and more accomplished at do at baking or or cooking or grilling or whatever, you become more and more accomplished at it. You can do more difficult things. But if you master if you master a good recipe, you know, and that's that's kind of like I said, that's the that's the key to a cookie table. These are people who are masters of these recipes and they take them in. You know, they go in they go in like they're looking for a blue ribbon, you know. And it's and it's a very uh I know in our family it has been very competitive in the past. <laughs> but People were known for the cookie, you know, people were known for certain cookies that they made. Different aunts and uncles and cousins, they were known for those cookies that they made. And that's something, you know, you look back on fondly, thinking of Aunt Aunt So-and-so's cookies that she made or grandma's cookies that she made. So you want to have that, you know, you want to have, you want to make a good cookie and, uh, and, and do that. And I don't know, I think I'm a cookie snob. I'm a general baked good, I don't know, I guess I'm a snob in general. I don't know. <laughs> But I think I think that's really that's really key, though. And I, people always ask about you know what is a what's a what a cookie table like at a wedding in Western Pennsylvania or Eastern Ohio? What's it like? And it's like oh, it's like this. Like don't eat the food, you know. I mean, the food is good, but <laughs> wait for the, the cookies. cookies are great. Wait for the cookies. Any more? This is something that was unheard of when I was a kid. Um, actually, unheard of until very recently where people have little containers for you to take your cookies home now, which is really nice. I've seen people bring their own Tupperware right, to wedding yes. receptions. Oh, yes, I have too. And, um, you know, we, you know, the, people used to take the plate and cover it with a napkin, you know, and take the cookies home or sneak them home in their purse or whatever they had to do to get them out of there, you know. But when I remember being a kid and there would not be cookies left, at, I mean, there weren't cookies to take home. People were wiping them out. You know, you didn't go up there with a little thing and t- take home a little sack of cookies because they didn't exist, you know, because people waited. They were waiting for that. They were waiting for those cookies. And I feel like I should point out for listeners who are not in Western Pennsylvania and Eastern Ohio, the cookie table is not a replacement of a wedding cake. You have a wedding cake and a cookie table. Actually, usually like three long tables covered in... Like, yes. 48 different kinds of cookies. It's not a whole bunch of different, like my version of chocolate chip cookies, my aunt's version of chocolate chip. There are every kind of cookie you could possibly imagine, maybe like four dozen of each, and then they can like refill or like two dozen, but it's in addition to the wedding cake, but it's it's better than the wedding cake usually. I'm just going to say that in our family, if you did bring chocolate chip cookies to a wedding, you you would be slandered. They would be like, God, chocolate chip cookies, cheese, cheese. What are you, lazy? (laughs) 
So, but some one of these days, what here's what I'm trying to do too. I wanted to we were we we're going to bring this up and um this will probably turn up in a newsletter later. But we've done several cookies on here. I try to do a few cookies a year, and uh what I want to do is kind of give these cookie recipes that if you ever did want to have a cookie table for some reason, you could go to our podcast and find a lot of cookies that are cookie table cookies. Even though I've done a few that are, you know, marginal, probably about everything, almost everything I can think of that I've done would be considered a cookie table cookie. I'll make a playlist on SoundCloud uh, because we can ma- we have playlists for like the breakfast foods, lunch and dinner, side dishes. Um, I'll make a cookie playlist compiling all Good those idea. episodes and we can put out something in a newsletter as well. Also, we forgot to mention when you have a cookie table, when you're making a cookie to bring something or if you are the person having the event and you want people to bring cookies Don't ask people to make 12 kinds of cookies. Right, right. Everybody brings one or maybe two things that they are like, is their specialty? You don't ask somebody to make every single kind because that's just cruel. Right, right. And you can do like a, uh, you can do, um, if you would like to have a cookie table in an event and you wanted to do something like that and say, I would approach people like this and say, what, what cookie do you like to make? What, do you, what is your favorite cookie to make? Because that gives them a little bit of relief instead of going up to them and saying, I want you to make lady fingers. Oh, yeah. You know, or something, you know. Some things are very, very difficult. And if right. you're not like a very accomplished baker, you might not feel comfortable making that. Right. Or you might have something, well, I can make all of these things, but my favorite thing to make is this. Right. And if, you know, like the same thing with a cookie exchange. If you're invited to a cookie exchange, pick a cookie that you're really good at that impresses and don't buy your cookies at a store to exchange them because the other people who went to the trouble of baking them, I don't even know what they'll do to you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to say this as well because you can buy really good cookies, but yeah, make, make your own. But if you're running late last minute and you have to buy cookies to bring somewhere, please Please don't buy those things that are basically all powdered sugar and just fall apart in your hands. We all know the cookies that I'm talking about, those white powdery things with the terrible icing and sprinkles. Yes. And you know, cookies are cookies are fun to make. They're not that difficult to make unless you make a really difficult cookie, like those cookies that look like peaches and strawberries and stuff, but they're actually a cookie. Now those I had a couple of aunts that used to make those. Artists. They were like the Van... No, not a Van... What's an Italian artist I can think of? They were like the Da Vinci of cookies. My one aunt made these strawberries, and they looked like real strawberries, and she even put little plastic leaf things on the top of them, and they were just adorable. I don't think I ever ate one because I was so enthralled with how gorgeous they were. <laughs> but they were a little cookie. So, you know, so th- there's some complicated ones out there, which I don't make. I don't make those. Um, I make. I have to tell you what I had did years ago. I started only making cookies that I actually like myself, because I thought, what's the point of me making cookies that I don't like? Because guess who's going to end up eating them? Me, and I'm not going to want to eat them because I don't like them. I only make cookies I like, and I like about forty different kinds of cookies. So. <laughs> 
So, um, but we'll keep adding every once in a while. We'll put more cookie recipes on and, uh, and get you to where you have a nice selection of cookie table cookies to use if you ever need a cookie table cookie cacophony. <laughs> and if you're not in a part of the country that has cookie tables or if you've never heard of one, definitely have a cookie table at your next big event because it is great. I highly recommend it. Oh, Everyone people, enjoys a cookie table. People talk about them like it's it's really actually funny to hear people that have never I've been at weddings that people have never seen a cookie table and they are at this wedding like from out of state and they they're just overwhelmed. They don't know what to do, you know. I mean it's just wild. I've probably told this on the podcast before. I I'm not sure, but we went to my cousin's wedding. And uh, my husband had never been to a big Italian wedding. And I said, don't eat the food. We went in, don't eat the food. And he goes, what do you mean don't eat the food? And I said, don't eat the food. Save it for the cookie table. And he goes, well, I'm going to eat the food. And I'm like, I'm not eating the food. We we went into the hall and there were about four to five, eight foot long tables going down through the middle of the hall covered. This was the cookie table setup. Okay, so not covered, mounded. Well, they they had it covered with sheets. Yes, yes, yeah. but like it wasn't just a flat display. Oh no, like, no, there were you could not have put. It more looked cookies like on. the Alps covered with the sheets. So they had the dinner part, you know, and and I went up and got my kids something to eat, but I didn't get anything to eat. But my husband got a full plate full of food. Well, then they took the sheets off of the cook. This is what they do: the sheets at an Italian wedding are like a maximum security prison. (laughs) You don't go through those sheets. You don't peek. You don't lift. You wait. So then they take the sheets off, and they had a fountain in the middle and all of these tiered things all over with every cookie you ever saw in your entire... No. Every cookie known to Italy... And possibly Poland and maybe Hungary and parts of Eastern Europe and Asia. I don't know. There were every cookie you could ever imagine. And just the whole length of the table. Interspersed with fruit and all that. It was gorgeous. And my husband had eaten a nice big plate of food and he was totally unprepared. I, however, was ready and I ate cookies. I don't even know how many cookies I ate, but I ate cookies and they were delicious. Every single one. That's the cookie you want. You want it to be when somebody eats one, it's delicious. And then the next cookie they eat, oh, it's also delicious. And you know, you just go along. No bad cookies. That should be like a bumper sticker. No bad cookies. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's our true life experience. True life. And that was the first time my husband had ever seen cookie tables like that. He'd never seen that before. Pretty awe-inspiring. When you get into the right wedding in western Pennsylvania or eastern Ohio, with that kind of a cookie table, yeah, yeah, something else. It's something else. So hopefully we'll get these recipes, you know, we'll, we'll just keep adding, keep adding, and you'll have a nice uh, collection of cookie recipes for creating a cookie table. And make sure to check us out online on Facebook and Instagram at Mary Mac Bakehouse on Twitter at Mobile Mary Mac and Mary Mac Podcast, and on our website, MaryMacPodcast.com. 
And we will also be open every Saturday in November and the first Saturday of December at Standing Chimney. Thanks a lot for listening if you did. And if you didn't, too bad for you. And use real butter.